Hey, welcome to the official 1825 podcast, where we delve into questions and ideas about our Christian faith that are most relevant to young adults. My name is David, and I'm your host. The word culture gets thrown around a lot, especially in the church. We understand on the surface that every country, nationality, people groups have their own unique culture. But what exactly is culture? What makes up culture? There's certainly mediums that culture has, such as TV, music, movies, arts, and even sports. Even a medium can become a culture in and of itself, as evidenced by the hip-hop culture. This is our aim today, to better understand culture so that we can become better Christians. Today we have on, once again, uh, Yuri Doroshuk. Um, Yuri, I want to thank you for joining us once again. Let's talk a little bit about this culture, right? Here in America, we have the, the beauty of having many different ethnic cultures and subcultures. We have Asians and Europeans and you know Eastern Europeans, Latin Americans, Slavics. They all have their own qualities that are different than our own. And I think a misunderstanding of these cultures might hinder our work as Christians. So speaking to this, what is the driving force of culture? Where do all these differences in culture stem from? Well, David, uh, thanks uh, for having me on the show again. It's definitely an honor to be uh, with you and your listeners. Um, but yeah, right in. Um, we use the word culture. Um, in a very, I think, vague sense, culture, culture, this. But really, what makes up culture, as you asked? And there are several things that make up culture. The most obvious one, right, is language. As soon as someone speaks a different language uh, than us, we are, okay, that's a different culture. Um, so that's an easy one, language. But then there are things like value. Um, and what I mean by value is every culture has a set of values that they abide by. Sometimes they're spoken, sometimes they're unspoken. For example, the Western world values time. And so the observable uh, behavior of that are our fast food restaurants. And so because we value time, we have fast food restaurants, we're driving to work and we're eating while we're driving. But you go to Europe, you go to other parts of the world, they don't sit in their vehicle and drive because for them, they don't value time the way we value time. I'm sure they value time just differently. Uh, for the European person, they value fellowship and, and slowing down and having a conversation with a friend. And so they go to a cafe. And so that's what's observable. Um, and so beliefs is another example uh, or an, let's say an indicator or observable thing in a culture. So for example, let's just take the Slavic culture. The Slavic culture believes that the ground 
isn't necessarily dirty. It can be dirty, but it doesn't have to be. And so if you clean your floors, if you take off your shoes when you go inside the home, you can keep your ground pretty clean. And so the observable behavior there is taking off your shoes. But you go to a second home, replace their carpet, and then the next day they're wearing shoes in their home. And so it's a cultural difference. It's observable. But the belief there is the ground is dirty, regardless if it's in my home or if it's outside. The countertop is what's clean. And so for the American home, they eat at the table. They don't put their feet on the table because that's where the food is. But they're wearing shoes. Uh, you go to the and take a look at the Japanese culture, and they believe, right? But the ground is so clean, you could sit on the ground and eat your food there. Uh, and so these are all observable things. Then you have things like icons that are part of a culture. You go to Latin America, there's crosses everywhere. It's just a symbol. Um, you take the Slavic community, for example, and, uh, and you look at the way uh, we do baptisms. We're wearing all white. It's a symbol symbol for purity, right? For righteousness. Uh, it's something that we, we value as a symbol. And so white is that for us. Um, so all those things are observable. That's why you could go to a different part of the world and automatically observe a difference in quote unquote culture. But really what drives the observable behavior are a set of values and beliefs for the most part. So the, so the underlying kind of driving force of culture are the beliefs that people hold. Um, so yeah. how can we use this information to better engage um, with people? Um, you know, how can we use this information uh, to, you know, share the gospel with others? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, from a kind of immediate uh, our immediate response to a different culture is kind of like, oh, that's weird. Then why do they do it like that? That's horrible, right? Because we're, we're judging the, the external observable behavior without really understanding the, the value, the belief that's driving that behavior. So I think as Christians, it's our duty to understand the values and beliefs of a different culture. Because the better we understand that, the better we can share the gospel with them, love on them, and not feel like our culture, our way, is, is better necessarily, right? If you understand the American culture and, and their value, then you won't be as offended when they invite you to their birthday party and they tell you it's from 2 to 4 p.m. And at 4 p.m., it's kind of the time for you to leave. Whereas when you go to a, a Russian birthday party, it's, it's simply when it starts is what you're told. Party mm -hmm. starts at 5. And there's never really an end time because the Slavic uh, culture, the Eastern European culture, the African culture um, is more of an event-oriented Hey, this is a birthday party. No one's really thinking about the time frame. So 
uh, I think we're able to be more compassionate towards people, more accepting of other cultures. But we actually just slow down and 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 actually try to understand what are your values, what's driving you, what are your beliefs. Um, you know, so, someone once told me, someone from Africa, that, that a lot of you know Westerners will come there and they try to try to build wells and they build wells, but then they come back the next year and, and they see that well in two pieces. It was never really even installed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then the locals are still going to the dirty river to drink. And so they're scratching their heads wondering, like, what's going on? And so the reality is uh, there's, a, there's a belief there. The belief for the local is that, hey, our ancestors drank from this water. There's a special connection that we have with our ancestors. Mm. And so we, too, are going to go into that river. And we too are going to drink that water. It's just a belief. And so when we understand the belief, then we can work with people overseas, missions, uh, and even in our own backyard. Yeah, and I think understanding that makes us a lot more effective um, and makes our messaging a lot more effective. Um, Just kind of talking about what you're saying about like Europeans and the way that they value the event and the time to speak with someone as opposed to like being on a strict time schedule, how how can we how could we change the packaging, or should we change the packaging of our message, or maybe highlight different themes uh, in scripture that may be more relevant to them? Um, you know, does does our kind of message change? You know, and how how do we do that? Um, from culture to culture, like you know, if I'm going to Africa, how would I change my message to to engage them better? Because I think, like you said, what works here isn't going to work overseas or, or somewhere else. How do we change the packaging of our message to be more effective? Yeah, that's a great question, and and we we actually are doing it uh, here in the states by by elevating the theme of the love of God, Mm. right? God loves you. God cares for you. He's for you. He's not against you. The best days lie ahead of you. Um, If if it's not great, it's not final. Like that's kind of the messaging. And and sometimes people will criticize that and say, well, how come we don't ever preach about sin or hell or, you know, fire and brimstone? But the reality is that that theme, for whatever reason, here in the States is not effective. Mm. Uh, But if you go to Africa, if you go to Latin America, the love of God theme is not that effective. Mm. Actually, the the wrath of God, uh, hell, fire and brimstone, uh, that seems to be very effective in those parts of the world and a lot come to repentance but here in the states it's just not it so that's just one example of of packaging a biblical theme and presenting it to your audience and the apostle paul did it when he was in athens mm-hmm. his uh, mars hill sermon uh, he looked at his audience and he saw uh, saw the 
an inscription, the unknown God, and he ran with it. Uh, so I think that's that's being uh, smart, that's being wise uh, in, in knowing your audience, knowing the culture. And by knowing the culture, we mean the values and beliefs, uh, even symbols and customs, and, and, and speaking to those things. Um, not one is better than the other, but one can be more effective than the other, for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and so how do we get to know a culture better? Sometimes, you know, we're not always um, aware of all these different cultures and there's hundreds of cultures and, and they're all different and they're all unique. And it's like, it's probably, it would be impossible to understand all these cultures. How could we best equip ourselves to understand culture better? Um, well, the first thing is we have to realize that culture comes from God. God, God created culture. Um, and so I think a great place to start is, is in our own backyard. Um, you know, if you're Slavic and you're listening to this, you probably attend a church that's filled with Slavic people. And so you are in a subculture of the American culture. You, you eat seeds, maybe. The American culture, unless you play baseball, doesn't really eat seeds or pumpkin seeds. So starting in your own backyard with your coworkers, with your neighbors, and learning the, the why under their behavior, because it's so easy for us to just criticize how someone cuts their lawn or, or how, how someone does something, uh, and we're like, that's just silly or that's just dumb. Uh, but really, there's, there's a belief, there's a value that, that's driving that behavior. And so just understand that. And I think the more you can understand that by just asking questions, the better you'll be able to relate to, to, to that individual. Mm-hmm. So let's talk uh, for a minute um, about our culture, our American culture, the one that is, I think, most relevant for um you know, for the world that we live in. Uh, We live in the United States. We're surrounded by Hollywood. We're surrounded by music. We're surrounded by hip hop, rap, rock, you know, all kinds of different films and genres of films. Um, And I oftentimes see Christians treat this culture uh, like, like an enemy. Maybe that's a little too harsh. I don't know. But they might treat it like a kind of binary. They, they look at this in, in a, through a set of glasses where it's like, it's us Christians on this side, and then there's the secular culture over there. Uh, and I, I think this stems from the verse in Romans 12, 2. And it says, Paul writes, he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And I think people look at that world in, in, in that verse, and they think, oh, the culture, the secular culture. It seems to suggest that we are to avoid it, right? Um, like, like it's the bad thing mm-hmm. and not conform to it. What is Paul talking about when he says, do not be conformed to this world? Yeah, so uh, the word world there has different meanings in Scripture, mm-hmm. right? For God so loved the world 
what does that mean? People. World in that verse represents people. There are times that scripture will, will talk about the world as the universe, the foundation of the world. Or in Acts 17, 24, the God who made the world and all things in it. It's talking about our physical planet. Then there's times that that it's talking about, such as this uh, passage that you read, Romans 12, 2. And uh, another one that comes to mind is 1 John 2, 15 and 16. And it says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, lo- the love of the Father is not in them. Wait a second. John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world. John is telling us, do not love the world or anything in it. Clearly, it's talking about two different things. And so, in 1 John and in Romans, the world here is, is not the planet, is not um, people, but it's really um, the order of evil. It's, it's, it's evil principles, set of rules that our old nature, our flesh, used to live by. Um, you know, a, an example uh, of that is, is in the secular world, uh, you know, if you want to get ahead at, at, at work, if you want to get promoted, what do you do? You, you just put everybody down and you do whatever it takes to rise above. You don't really care for the well-being, the health, of your neighbor. It's about you. It's about you being recognized. It's me, 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 me. Um, and so, you know, things like greed, lust, and funny thing, John goes and explains what he means by the world. For everything in the world, and then he gives us three examples, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Mm. And so these are a set of rules and principles that one lives by. Uh, And we as believers to live by those, right? We overcome evil, not with evil, but with good. We turn the other cheek, right? So so that's what it talks about when when Scripture, particularly the New Testament, uh, tells us believers, don't be like the world. Don't conform the, uh, uh, to the world. Uh, don't take part of the world. It's the evil si- uh, uh, systems, principles, way of living that are contrary to God and his word, to scripture, that they directly oppose. That's what it means to not love the world. Mm-hmm. So Paul here is not talking about culture um, but talking about rather the pattern of behavior in the world. Um, interesting. So when it comes to, you know, our culture then, uh, like music for, for example, you know, rap or or rock, uh, it's long been dominated by secular artists. Can these art forms, you know, genre of music, art, film industry, can they be redeemed and used 
by us Christians to, to glorify God and point to God? Or are they kind of inherently bad, they're a lost cause, and therefore we should just focus on creating our own kind of uh, culture of, of you know, Christianity? The, the genre, the type of music is just the medium of that culture. Uh, so rap, rock, uh, classic music, contemporary those are mediums that attract a certain type of individual. What's important is the actual content. What is being sung? What is being talked about? What is being elevated? Uh, that's the most important. Uh, believe it or not, I know Christians who do not listen to Hillsong, Jesus Culture, or any quote-unquote worship music as we know it. Believe it or not, there are Christians that brush their teeth without listening to worship music in the <laughs> background. That's not their preference. Not that they're opposed of Christian music, but the funny thing is worship music is almost synonymous as Christian music. But that's not the case. Uh, there are believers who are not in the charismatic Pentecostal world, who are maybe like Methodist or Presbyterian, who will listen to contemporary Christian music, but not necessarily the, the type of worship music that, that a charismatic Pentecostal would listen to, such as Hillsong. So the genre is just the medium. That, that is not the issue. Uh, unfortunately, it, if for some parts of the church, and, and maybe even for your family, for for with your parents, genre was something that was either labeled as Christian or not Christian, right? Some churches don't allow bands uh, or drums. Uh, those are just mediums by which we communicate certain things. And so those things don't even need to be redeemed. Like rock music doesn't need to be, that genre in itself doesn't necessarily need to be redeemed. But it would be great for more Christians to use that platform to reach those that love rock and from artists that are maybe secular and, and unchristian, that they glorify, you know, sex and drugs and uh, promiscuity. So it's just the medium. And, and just like the TV, at one point was the devil because you had the two horns that represented the antenna, right? Yeah. Uh, that used to be the devil at one uh, point in, in history. I'm sure the radio was controversial, um, and the internet. But look, we're using the medium, the internet, during COVID-19, and many people are still being fed spiritually, are still to a degree, attending church, using the life, uh, you know, the, the chat rooms uh, during live stream to, to talk and communicate with others. It's just a medium. We need to look beyond the medium. Medium is not the issue. At one point, you know, hammers or, or the latest technology, that's just a medium. So, so to your question, and I know it's kind of, I'm kind of long, long winded, but but the medium should never be the issue. It has been in the past, but I think, uh, you know, the, this younger generation is moving beyond, uh, you know, this 
idea that certain mediums are bad. I think for the most part, many understand that that's not really the issue. Mm. So when you consider the end goal for us Christians, right, it's to spread the gospel, to love on people, spread the gospel, and and make the name of Jesus known, uh, like Jesus said, to the ends of the earth, right? Um, and, And so it may sometimes seem like getting involved in culture, whether it's the pop culture or the film industry or, or music or, um, you know, the various aspects, or, or maybe even I would, by extension, even include politics, right? Running for local office, you know, education board member or state senator. Um, it, it may seem time, I think sometimes believers um, might think that this is a, a kind of distraction to our greater goal as Christians. And so my question is, as believers, is it our duty to to try to attempt to engage culture and or politics and try to attempt to influence it? Or is it all just a kind of distraction to the greater goal that we have? Yeah, so you mentioned the greater goal, the ultimate goal. But I would like to back up and say, what was the initial goal? What was the initial intent that God had when he created humans? Remember, when we talk about evangelism, when we talk about the Great Commission, that's, that's post-fall. That's after Adam and Eve sinned. These are the things, the responsibilities of people post-fall. But God created humanity before the fall. And he gave us a mandate to, to, to rule the earth, to, to multiply, right? To create, to, to rule over his creation, to enjoy the garden. So before there was the fall, before there was the Great Commission, before there was evangelism, before there was the cross, there was God and people in the garden. And our mandate was to to enjoy what he created and to keep him at the center of our enjoyment. That was God's original intent. And so I don't think that original intent has gone away. Problem is we sometimes forget about that original intent, but it hasn't changed. And so right now you and I and our listeners, we live, post-fall. And so we do have the mandate to evangelize. We do have the mandate, you know, to to go to the ends of the uh, earth and and share the love of God with them. Uh, But that's post-fall. And so I think while that's important and that should be our primary focus, we ought not to forget about enjoying this creation, enjoying our town that we live in enjoying the small world that God has placed us in. And so if that means uh, that I'm going to run for office uh, in, a, in a public setting to, to better the lives of the community, so be it. And along the way, I will rub shoulders and interact with people that I probably wouldn't have the opportunity if I didn't run for office to influence and impact their lives through the gospel. So I think, no, sitting on our you know, hands and being passive is not the right response. It's not the Christian response. It's, it's to move forward uh, and create a better world 
for us. And so if that means running for mayor, running for city council, go for it. Um, instead of just picketing in front of the White House and being reactive, get on the offensive and, and, and change policy. Run for Senate. Become a senator. Uh, create, create laws in the land that, that will glorify God, that, that will uh, be a light. Um, so that's what we ought to do. And I think, you know, uh, for, for those that are Slavic that are listening to this, your parents maybe have migrated in the, to the States, you're a baby, or maybe you're born here. Uh, think broader. Think influence. Think where can I go where our people have not gone and go for it and make an impact where God puts you. So, yes. We do engage culture because remember, culture is a set of values and beliefs. And we know there are a set of values and beliefs that are culture, that are anti-God. And so we engage in, uh, with culture because we want to change certain things. We want to engage and challenge certain values and belief systems that we believe are are, are not good and that there are better ones God's way. Mm. Going back to what we're talking about music, this may seem like a, a nuanced kind of question, but I know that some people do stumble or, or take issue with this. And it's that some Christian artists uh, collaborate with secular artists and, um, and they're called, you know, sellouts. You know, it's, it's these artists who have strong followings and they have strong beginnings, you know, in Christian circles. You know, you might hear them on The Fish or Caleb. Um, but then as their popularity and fame grows, they tend to step out, collaborate with secular artists. Their music kind of becomes shallower, it seems. And, uh, you know, and their fame continues to grow and their music kind of becomes less, quote unquote, godly. Um, at least that's the perception. What are your thoughts on there? On this, do you think that that as you know, the fame gets to them, or do you think that there's something greater going on behind the scenes that we don't see? Um, yeah. So, so you know, when the uh, the contemporary Christian music came out, uh, it's the the CCM, uh, either in the 60s or 70s, right? And, and, and Christian music, as we know it today, became a genre, because before that, it was just hymns, okay? Uh, when that came out, uh, you know, the church at the time thought, wow, like, like we're moving forward. We're making an impact. We have our own Christian label. In fact, we have our own awards, the Dove Awards. Right, like we kind of put a gate around ourselves um, by saying this is Christian music, and and you know when you think of a Christian gospel uh, singer, uh, you typically think Kirk Franklin. Um, but you know you you have people that will criticize this idea that 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 having a Christian genre is a good thing. Like they would, they would not agree to that. They'd say, actually, uh, for the sake of the kingdom, uh, it, it was not good for for Christians to have their own like musics, their own label. And the reason why is if I'm saying 
this is Christian music, then what's the the worldly person, the person that's not Christian going to do with your music? You think they're going to listen to it? Probably not because you just put a label on it. And so they say, oh, this is Christian music. Well, I don't identify myself as Christian. Therefore, I'm not listening to it. Well, here's the thing. We did that with music, but why don't we do that with paintings? Why don't we have things like this is a Christian painting? This is, this is a Christian house mm. or this is a Christian plumber. Oh, so, so a Christian plumber uses what? Different equipment than a secular plumber? So, so we don't usually, uh, you know, uh, label a plumber or a artist, the one that paints as Christian, right? But yet with music, that's exactly what we did. And so I would argue that maybe that wasn't the best thing because as Christians, we need to sing about things that, that are uh, uplifting, right? that aren't bad. And so when you talk about good and evil, right, and then secular, um, you know, secular means neutral, really. Like if you go to a museum, the Louvre in Paris, um, and you're looking at the paintings, it's not really, you can't say this is a Christian thing that I'm doing going to the museum. You You can't really say that this is an evil thing that I'm doing. It's a secular thing, right? It's it's neutral. The word secular isn't necessarily bad. Um, and so um, with musicians, if we were just Christians, but we sang about life, marriage, loving on our wives, uh, you know, n- not necessarily always the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus being redeemed And so therefore that's Christian music, but just good things, right? I think we'd be able to to reach more people and impact more people. So I think that's what some of these musicians are doing, these uh, artists are doing. They start off Christian, right? Uh, Because they're small and so they're they're trying to, you know, reach the youth groups. They go from one youth group to another and they perform and they and they kind of rise up and, and now all of Christianity knows them in, in their little country, but then they want to reach more people. And so as long as they don't compromise on the message, on the message, and the message is not just limited to the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. They're not preachers. And so if they're singing about not, you know, how to get the most money, how to get laid, uh, how to have all the riches in the world and, and, and cheating on their, you know, uh, spouses. If they're not, if they're not singing about those things, but they're singing about good things, hope, love, mercy, forgiveness, general things, that's not really compromising. That can speak to a lot of people. Um, and so I think we're limiting, uh, or we have a narrow view of of what Christian music ought to be. Just like I don't expect a plumber to say, I'm a Christian plumber. I'm going to, you know, engrave uh, John 316 at the, uh, at the back of your, you know, toilet. Like, <laughs> that's not what makes him Christian. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's, you know, he, he's, a, he's a plumber who happens to be Christian. And I'm a 
artist, I'm a rapper that happens to be Christian. Well, what do you sing about? Sing about life. I, I sing about goodness. I, I sing about equality, right? I sing about, you know, uh, uh, serving others, uh, selflessness. Like you could sing. Those are all good things, things that scripture actually uplifts. And I'd say that message will reach more people. And I think we need more of that in our music than a lot of trash that is out there, right? Mm -hmm. That that ironically John talks about, remember, in first John two fifteen and sixteen, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, mo money, you know, mo girls, right? The lust of the flesh, or the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. I am number one. What like those are the things that a lot of music uplift and and scripture says that's the world so if an artist sings things that are on the opposite side of the spectrum and not necessarily the death burial resurrection of jesus i'd say that's not a compromise and, and partnering with with someone that's gifted in living is no different than i go to my neighbor and say look you're a barista uh at the coolest coffee shop teach me how to make a mean tasty vanilla latte mm. and they come to my house and they're going to collaborate with me how to make that uh, cup of coffee there's nothing wrong with that so you know why why not use the skill set of of secular people to glorify god absolutely as long as as long as we're not putting that into our music but collaborating as you asked uh, uh david uh, is not condoning that person's behavior mm. any more than Jesus meeting with the Samaritan woman at the well does not condone all of her husbands and that behavior. Mm. And so I think we want to condone, oh, that person's uh, connecting with that person. Oh, sell out. Mm. Well, no, wait. That, you know, it's, it's, it's our issue, right? Guilty by association. We know that's not right, but we do that all the disciples did that. The Pharisees did that. Guilty by, oh, whoa, why are you letting those people touch you? Whoa, why are you hanging out with that crowd? Guilty by association. Um, and we do that when we're on social media. We look at somebody's posts. We, we look at, you know, what the other people are drinking or doing. And then we, well, automatic person's doing it too. And I don't think that's fair. Mm, that's interesting. So it, it's not that, you know, people are sellouts. It's not that people are, um, you know, betraying or giving up kind of the gospel message. But it's that, hey, I'm willing to relabel myself so that I could reach a greater audience. Because I, I think what you what you said, there's a good point. You know, it's like, if I'm a secular guy who has nothing to do with Christianity and I'm just, you know, driving along and I hear, oh, there's this Christian artist, I think that's that's right. I mean, I'm gonna listen, I'm like, well, what do I need to hear this for? I'm not Christian. I don't I don't subscribe to that yeah. belief and I might be churned off right. just because the label was different. That's right. Mm, okay. Uh and and and, and I'd say, you know, historically that's what the church did. We create a culture and, and, and we say, this is Christian. If you want to be a part of, this is what you got to do. 
right? It used to be like that with dress code. Like, oh, you're a Christian, well, Sunday best. This is how you dress up to church. Hmm. You cannot dress up like this. You need to the same thing with music. This is Christian music. And if it's there's no death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, then it's either a wannabe or, or they're compromising because they used to talk about that. Now they don't. And I'd say I, I would want to challenge us all to broaden our understanding of, of, uh, of what is Christian and what is not. It's the whole, you know, secular sacred divide. There's a lot of things that are neutral that are okay because after all, we're here to also enjoy God's creation as God intended back in the garden. And that might be perusing through a museum or that might go that might be you going to a classical uh, you know play or 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 show uh listening to an orchestra that's not quote unquote christian but there's nothing wrong with that you're enjoying god's creation god's talents that he's given people and i'd say go for it so i, I want to piggyback off of what we were just talking about with the whole labeling and kind of the way, um, and just talking about this whole concept of, you know, certain pastors or artists or whatever being sellouts, right? Because their label might be different or whatnot. I wanted to kind of talk on this for a second. So I know um, there are Christian artists who are interviewed by certain secular people, right? Um, their their music's very popular, and so you know someone you know who's maybe in hip hop or rap um, or in other genres, you know, or something. So some Christian artist, right? He's invited to let's say like a a, a Tonight Show, or he's invited to some um, you know Oprah's you know show. Yes. Um, and they're sometimes asked questions um, about their faith, maybe about abortion or same-sex marriage and their answer isn't what we you know what we hope it would be and sometimes that you, that you would that you would hope to hear in a church setting exactly 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 yeah and so okay. i hear it and the answer is like not as straightforward and not as like you know slam dunk as i as i hope would you know, as I'd hope it would be. And I would be, and you know, and, and you'd listen to other Christians and they'd be like, oh, this pastor is a sellout or that artist is a sellout. He's compromising the message. Would you say that that is compromising the message now? So it doesn't seem like now they're relabeling themselves. It seems like the actual content of what they're saying is compromising. What do you, what do you think about that? Well, it depends on how they respond. Um, first off, you know, it's very easy to sit in your living room or inside your vehicle, watch a video clip, and then criticize someone's response, you know, uh, kind of from the comfort of your home, right? Um, so, but, but it's normal, and that's just what we as people do, um, especially us Christians. But I think... You know, if we look at Jesus, and any time the religious folk asked him questions, Jesus knew their heart, and he knew that they were just setting traps for him. And he always responded with a question that would corner them. And so he 
was never really a straight shooter himself. If you read the New Testament, Jesus was not a straight shooter when it came to the religious people asking him questions and, and him responding to them. He didn't. Uh, and so I think, you know, these Christian leaders, I'm not sure if you have someone in mind, but just in general, uh, it's more complex, right? They're, they're, they're using somebody else's platform, right? There are secular people, unbelievers watching. Uh, and so it's it's different than just giving a straight answer in your own church building to a group of people that share the same values, beliefs. Um, and so I think just weighing the you know the pros and cons. If I just give them a straight answer, is that going to just bring revival to everybody tuning in and watching this TV show right now, or is that going to cause everybody to say? Oh, I'm not with that, right? I'm not, I don't support the guys' response. And then they're going to completely uh, check you out. But our goal as Christians isn't behavior modification. It's to bring people to Christ. And then the behavior modification comes as a result. It's the fruit that happens from a transformed life. And so maybe that preacher, maybe that pastor, is thinking, you know, my goal isn't to bring people to repentance because it's probably unlikely that that's going to happen through this day show. But if I could get them open to me, and then they could maybe Google me, listen to some of my messages, or if I'm an artist, they could listen to some of my music, and they could have an open heart towards that content. Maybe in time, their life can be transformed by Jesus. So there's a lot of things at play. I wouldn't say it's just the clear cut, you need to say the truth and that's it. Because if you're, let's just take abortion for a second, right? Um, if you're an unbeliever, I don't expect you to not want to have an abortion. I mean, lost people do lost things, do evil things. And so my goal isn't to, to make you to take you from pro-choice to pro-life, not my goal. My goal is to show you the gospel. It, it, my goal is to bring you to the cross and in hopes that you would surrender your life to God. And once that happens, everything else just falls in its place. So those pastors may be thinking about that and saying, you know what? My goal is to bring them to Christ, not to change their view on, on this hot topic or the other. And so the person that's asking them a question may try to set him up or set her up. And so the speaker, the Christian knows that, senses that. And so they, they, they answer it in such a way that may come across as wishy-washy. But that doesn't mean that that's, that's, that's kind of what their conviction is. Uh, but that being said, we're not talking about them completely lying. Right? We're not talking about them saying, oh, it's okay, but then they go back to the church and say it's not okay. Like That would be you know, hypocrisy mm -hmm. at its best to lie like that. But to kind of give a, I don't know, as we would say, politically correct uh, answer on a secular kind of platform when you're using somebody else's platform, I think there, there has to be some kind of wisdom uh, there. And, and so, so 
That's my thought on that. Mm. I've learned over the years to be more gracious to, to Christian leaders who may not just be a straight shooter and, and give that response because, okay, if tomorrow you lose all of your influence that took you years to build, that God used to build, and because you were a straight shooter, you lost all of your influence, what, now you're going to just pat yourself on the back and say, yeah, I, I was it, a sellout, okay, and then what are you doing tomorrow? Like, so there has to be a little bit of wisdom and responsibility to the platform God has given each person and how well, right, uh, you, you, you uh, are a it's, it's why, you know, drive-by evangelism is not, not that effective. Mm-hmm. Yelling at somebody, they're going to they're gonna burn in hell unless they come to Christ and driving off and then feeling good that you did some, you know, evangelism. No, you did more harm in that situation. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's not that simple. Yeah, that that's. I think that's that's a good good lesson. I think for us Christians, just just maybe not not being um, super critical of of pastors who are in in these elevated positions, if you will, um, who give answers that are not what we think they'd give. Um, that's certainly a good point. Um, can, I, can I just add one yeah, more thing? Yeah, please. There's a, there's a distinction that we must make between witnessing and evangelism. You see, witnessing, okay, is when I show the world around me, my life, right? It's the bridge, it's the catalyst for evangelism. When I cut my grass and decide to cut my neighbor's grass along with mine, that's an act of witnessing, right? When I, when I, uh, uh, when my neighbor's father dies, and I come over and bring them a hot meal, that's me witnessing, right? That's me tearing down walls. That's me to open their heart, heart to me. But witnessing that bridge that I'm building is ultimately to evangelize. So evangelize that. That's when I'm given an explicit, uh, you know, gospel presentation, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, the forgiveness of sins, you know, salvation through Christ. So uh, the, the, there's a lot to be said. And so we're talking about Christian leaders, but there's also pro athletes, right, who will say they are believers, and then we think, well, why aren't they saying this? Or why aren't they behaving this? Why aren't they using their platform, uh, you know, uh, more intentionally or adamantly? They just miss an opportunity. And it's like, no, because there's a, set, there's a time to witness. There's a time to evangelize. And if you didn't do a good job at witnessing and you just start evangelizing, you lose people. Then you lose your influence. And now you're an athlete in the locker room that has no authority, no influence over uh, your teammates. And then, so what good is that? So Mm -hmm. we must witness. We must witness. And then finally, we must evangelize. Um, There are scenarios where if you're on an airplane, there's probably not a whole lot of witnessing, right? Because you have two hours with them, three hours with them, and you'll never see them again. So in those times, 
public evangelism is the better strategy. With your neighbor, you better believe witnessing is the better strategy, right? Mm-hmm. It's to, you know, uh, talk with them, have, invite them over for dinner, invite them over, uh, you know, to swim uh, at your pool. Just, just have a relationship with them. You just do life with them with no strings attached. And then if, if the opportunity presents itself, then you can evangelize at a certain point. But witnessing is much harder because it takes more time than evangelism. Like the guys that are in, in big cities that just stand on the corner and they yell at people that they're all going to burn a, and go to hell unless they repent. Well, that's them trying to evangelize. But it's like, hmm, have you, have you met your neighbors? Have you invited them over uh, for dinner? And, and have you witnessed to them? Because that takes time. That takes energy. That takes effort. Evangelism is the easy part. And so a lot of these uh, athletes, uh, uh, Christian leaders who are on secular platforms, they understand witnessing. Mm-hmm. They understand that, hey, these people can Google me. They can look at my, other, my books, my music, my, my sermons. And because they liked what they heard on TV, and it was just, a positive thing now i draw them deeper into my sermons into my you know my music uh into what i do to then you know bring them further along on their journey to coming to know god so i don't know where that came from you didn't ask me about that distinction but i believe it's it's for someone that's listening and, and that's that's extremely powerful i i, I think a lot of christians uh, that's a distinction that isn't made. I think Christians, um, you know, are always looking for okay, how can I insert Jesus here and and start talking about the gospel? And they're so focused on that, and um, you know, it's no wonder that sometimes they just get outright rejected or you know just kind of turned down and and just kind of dismissed um, because I think we're missing that key component, which is witnessing, building that bridge, building that kind of common ground uh, and, and creating an environment where evangelism would be accepted. Uh, I think that is a, that's a powerful uh, point and I appreciate you sharing that. Um, yeah, yeah. Yuri, I, I appreciate you so much uh, for joining us again, uh, you know, for just sharing this insight. And, and I really think it's, it's of great benefit to our listeners and just for all our believers to, to know these things. Um, for people who want to know more, uh, where could they find you? Uh, how could they connect with you? You know, if there's questions or, or, or they want to come in contact with you, what's the best way to do that? Uh, I I use uh, Instagram often, so you could just uh, my handle is at y Shuk, so y d o r o s h u k. Um, I'm on Facebook, but not often. But Instagram's the best uh, medium to connect with me. Thanks awesome. for asking. Yeah, for sure. Well, Yuri, I think that concludes our time here together. And uh, again, I just want to thank you so much uh, for joining me uh, and and sharing your insight and and your wisdom with us. Thanks so much, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It It was definitely my honor. We thank you guys for joining us and listening. And I pray and hope that this is of good benefit to you guys. We'll see you guys next week.